Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Low Sodium Show. I am your host, Mark Dwayne Crew Wheeler, and we got a great show tonight, folks. We're going to take what we were talking about last week, shaky head, stuff like that, and we're going to expand on it because I got a lot of questions from folks asking me, you know, how, when, you know, I understand the baits, but, you know, when should I use them? And so we're going to break this all down to you and make it super simple, um, you know, where you can go out there and literally go in and just destroy some some bass. And you know what? They don't just work on largemouth, spotted, smallies, shoals. All will take a shaky head. And it all comes down to understanding when you want to throw them, how you want to throw them, and, you know, everything that goes along with it as well. Uh, we're also going to talk about um, gear ratios on reel, on, on bait casting reels and on spinning reels now as well. And we'll, we'll start talking about this and, and understanding what, you know, gear ratio you need. Or what size reel? And surprisingly, a lot of people don't realize that the size of your reel dictates your presentation. Um, so we're going to break that down a little bit. And we're going to have a lot of fun. It's, it's going to be a good show. Um, I know Matt Trucks is going to be in a little bit. Uh, he's uh, getting off of work and doing everything that he does. Um, and uh, as well as having any fo- uh, callers that call in. Remember, you can call in at any time during the live show. Number is simple, 714-816-4727. You can call right in, join the conversation, and have a lot of fun. So with that being said, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come right back, we're going to go ahead and kick this thing off. So we'll be right back with more of the Low Sodium Show, only on the Kayak Fishing Radio Network. Looking for a new cooler with a lifetime warranty and made 100% in the United States? Look no further than Orca Coolers. These roto-molded, rugged coolers feature premium quality, seamless construction, meaning they're built to take whatever you and Mother Nature throws at them. Orca Coolers allow ice to keep for days, and they have non-slip feet so your cooler stays where you want it. With secure external latch system, the lid always stays closed. Orca Coolers. Made 100% in the USA. Always has been. Always will be. Check them out at orcacoolers.com. Bull Bay Custom Rods are handcrafted, designed, built by fishermen for fishermen. Each plank goes through a rigorous stress test to ensure the highest quality, period. You can actually feel the action of the bite as well as lure vibration through the foregrip, made with the highest quality components and made to your specifications. Bull Bay Custom Rods bring innovation to your hands. Go to bbrods.com to check out some amazing custom rods. Bull Bay Custom Rods, built by fishermen for fishermen. You are listening to The Low Sodium Show on Kayak Fishing Radio with your host, Mark, the Landing Crew Wheeler. <laughs> All right, and we are back. Um, now, we're going we're gonna to break down, um, you know, what, you know, the main tactics with shaky heads. And let's take a step back and talk about shaky heads for a second. 
a shaky head is a bait, is actually a jig, that due to the position of the eye where you actually tie the line to, gives the bait its action. And it doesn't really matter the bait that you put on there. Now, there are special baits that have been designed to work with this system. But you could throw anything on there, a fluke, a beaver, a creature bait, anything like that to, um, you know, to, to work. Um, you know, you can do it. You know, shaky heads also have a great ability to, to run the gambit on different techniques. And that's why I like it so much because it's a multi um, technique specific style. So let's say the best want it fast. Okay, they're looking for fast presentations, but they're sitting on the bottom, right? It's pretty simple. You know, you can swim it right in, bump in the bottom. They want it, you know, uh, uh, you know, stuck in front of their face and jiggled like in the winter or right now in the spawn. You know, cheeky head's a great way of putting a bait in there so the nose of the bait looks like it's feeding, and that's that's the main key. And, and it makes and it's kind of funny. A lot of people ask me, you know, why does a shaky head work so well? Well, it, it it looks like two things mostly, depending on the baits you 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 pick. The first one is a worm. Okay, it looks like a worm coming up out of the bottom of of the lake or river or wherever. Um, a tapeworm, or just a worm in general. Okay, so it's got this thing coming out and it's kind of wiggling and 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 what a shaky head does a lot is a, is a real slow seductive wobble okay the tail just kind of moves a little bit and looks like a worm sitting there doing its thing now you change that up to uh, you know a, a trick worm where it's a solid straight bodied change it up to a fluke you can change it to anything you want and you can mimic now a bait fish feeding that is why it's such a great bait for shooting on the bed you flip that sucker on the bed and work it through there it looks like that that brim that minnow whatever his nose is in there digging around in those eggs Drives a bass insane. Makes it a lot easier to set the hook on them as well. So that's why shaky heads work so well in, in those situations. You know, so that that's the basis of them. Um, you know, I use one specific 98% of the time. That's a Tommy Head jig. It literally can, I can take it from, you know, from one thing to another. And we talk about Tommy Head all the time. And I cannot say enough. Try them, try them, try them, try them. You will not be disappointed. Um, you know, Tommy has the basic colors of, of J colors that I, I work with. Um, black, okay? Great thing about a shaky head is that if you can find the shaky heads that are... Uh, eighth would be the heaviest I'd go for this technique. Um, you know, 16th, 32nd ounce, and I've seen them out there. But they work great as a, uh open water... Um, wacky, weighted wacky hook. Okay, that, I mean they're, they're perfect for it. They they work great. And again, open water, so not necessarily in grass. But if you're working in you know lily pads, perfect for this. If you're just dropping it in between the lily pads and let it flow flow down, nice and slow. If you, you know if they're real finicky, they're looking for a slow one. Perfect. I wouldn't do it around wood or thick grass. It'll just get caught and get all mungled up. Um. 
you know, so so black is a great one. And I use black a lot at night. I use black a lot if I'm using a very dark colored bead. Uh, Junebug Red is one that I use black a lot. Um, you know, uh, a, a watermelon, I'll use black depending on, excuse me, green pumpkin, I'll use black depending on the bottom. If I'm dealing with the bottom, with a, with a real dark bottom, I'll like, I really like that black to, to, you know, hide itself in the bottom. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, I got to match to what I'm using. And Tommy has a great uh, selection that in pumpkin, and he has one, it's a, uh, it's a green pepper. Okay, it's it's like a watermelon with pepper in it. It's great for watermelon colors because that green pepper is bright to a watermelon red flake, blue flake, Houdini, whatever. But that bright head is the same as a blue a brim with that bright face that they have. So it's a great you know accoutrement to that. Um, but he's got the basic colors down, and then pink pepper, which is just a great all around. Uh, you know, if, I, if I'm working uh, bubblegum colors or whites, you'll see me use pink, uh, the, the pink pepper or, or, or pink color a lot, the bubblegum colors a lot. So, you know, so that, that's a huge thing is, is you don't want to try to match the color of your jig head to the bait unless you're trying to go, go crazy like the, the, that, that uh, watermelon pepper, okay, two different colors. But it really makes it stand out and makes it give it that head of a brim. So watermelons and green pumpkins and June bugs in some cases work very, very well. Now, colors of baits. I'm asked uh, I'm asked all the time. So in this condition, what color would you run? So I've kind of broke them down into sunny and cloudy, clear and dirty water. Okay? And we'll start with, with clear water. What do I mean by clear water? Anything with about two to three foot of visibility is clear in my book. Um, stained is anything under between one and two feet, or, or, or excuse me, two to three feet. Um, you know, and it'll go over that three foot if the water's got a dingy-ish color. But you got to decide this for yourself. Um, and, and then muddy is you know you can't see the base six inches. You know, so use your your own mind and you know decision making on this process so we're going to start off with the sunny day because we're going to see more sunny days than we will cloudy as anglers it's the way it is it always seems like when i go out it's always post front so it's always sunny um and we'll start with the clear when you're using clear baits i highly recommend or clear conditions high sunny skies clear water you are definitely going to want to drop down to a fluorocarbon you know drop all the way down to six pound if you have to because uh, those bass are going to be very finicky, and it's going to be really difficult to catch them. Okay, so drop down the you know fluorocarbon, drop down your line size to what you feel comfortable with. Some people are only comfortable dropping down to 14 pound, and that's fine. Me, I have my line choice is Sunline, Sunline Sniper and Reaction or Shooter. Okay, those three is what I use. So it all depends on what I'm doing. And, and, you know, my my main line I use 90% of the time for, for, you know, for real light presentations is, is Sniper. It's got very little stretch, but it has a very high breaking tensile strength. It says 8 pound. I believe more it's in the 15 pound class, and that's, that's no lie. Now I'm going to say 12, give, give you a, a conservative uh, look at it. So <clears throat> in clear, sunny water... Okay, clear skies, 
uh, you know, uh, clear water. You know, I'm looking at my watermelons. Okay, I'm brim. If I if I see a lot of brim in the water, it's watermelon. Watermelon red. If I see a lot of bluegill, I see a lot of sunfish. Uh, watermelon red and watermelon candy. Again, you're you're mimicking those brim. Um, another one that that kind of will look like a brim is pumpkin. Okay, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Oh, wow. Um, but pumpkin. Okay, if you have those. Those brim, if you have suckers on the lake, if you have gobies, pumpkins of color. Uh, David Dudley always says, you know, you know, there, there's pumpkin and there's pumpkin and then there's pumpkin. Okay, green pumpkin, pumpkin, you know, uh, purple flake, blue flake, things like that. If you have those brim that are really dark, and some some lakes have those dark brim for whatever reason. It could be 20 foot visibility, but the brim are really dark. Most likely, those brim live in wood. They live around, you know, thick wood. They're they're sucked up against it, or they're in, you know, heavy vegetation where they don't see sunlight a lot, and, and it makes it dark, hard to see them a lot of times. But they're there, and usually you'll find them when you paddle over top and look in a clear section. They're shooting away from the boat. And you go, oh wow, look how dark that sucker is. So you know, that's another one. And plum, plum for whatever reason is one of those colors that, um. Is not used enough, and I've got three bags of plum, and I love them to death for when I'm fishing lakes that have a leech population. A lot of clear lakes will have leeches in them. You just won't know it. Um, you know, those that have a, you know, uh, a, a stocking of other, bat, of other fish. Walleye, surprisingly, when those small walleye are in that two to three inch stage, they're pretty dark colored. Okay, so those are our, you know, made for main forge for those bass. You know, things like that, you know, those colors really work for me. Now, clear skies, but I'm in dirty water. Big thunderstorm the night before made the water really dirty, um, you know, from runoff, stuff like that. And it's going to make the bass come tight to cover. You know, you're going to look at colors like, you know, your June bugs, your your blacks, red glitters, your, your black blue glitters, your June bug, uh, 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 red flake, your... Your red bugs, you know those darker colors that, or the less translucent colors. Because I'll be honest with you, watermelon's pretty translucent. Ninety percent of the watermelons out there, you can see through them to a point. They're, you know, but those those less opaque, the the ones that, you know, don't let light through. They're more silhouetteish. You know, your June bugs, your blacks, you know, your your um your black and blues. You know, that's why they work so well in the South. That black and blue jig is a is a staple throughout the country in dirty water because it's a big profile. It gives off – they can see it better. It's all about contrast. And, and, and I'm going to kind of take a sidebar here and take a second to talk about this. Um, but, you know, most people ask me why at night and why in dirty water – do I want those dark colors? I would think that I want bright colors to let the bass see them. And sometimes, yes, that will happen. But you have to understand it like this. If I am, and I've done this before, I've, and we've all had this happen to us. And here's an example. I just, had a, I just thought of this. If you're laying down on your back, you have the sun up in the sky, right? And this is just an example uh, to, to make it easier. The sun's in the sky. I got my eyes closed. You know, the sun's right in my face. If someone walks over top of me or something comes over top of me, all right, and I look at it. 
I'm not going to see color. I'm going to see shape. And then after a while, it will come to me that what it is. It takes a second. Bass don't have that second usually. They, it's reaction. Okay? So that's what you're mimicking. You're mimicking something in, those dirt, in that dirty water to give an outline. Okay? A profile. And you do that by something being dark. Okay, the darker something is, the better chances you have of hooking into it. And it's just wild, you know, and, and how I, you could break that, how it breaks down. But, um, you know, and that's what the bass are looking for. They're looking for profile. And, you know, especially when you're working a topwater bait or a bait over top, and they're looking at profile. Okay, that's why so many baits out there are white on the bottom. Okay. It's not that they're seeing the white until in, 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 from, from a distance that I'm talking about here. Okay, they're seeing it from a distance, whether it be five, six feet, right? They see the bait come, you know, from a distance. 90% of the time, it's the profile of the bait, what's happening. Walk the dog bait, perfect example, okay? As that bait's walking the dog up above you, right? What they're seeing is... Is a is a bait fish, a frog, a baby bird, whatever the bass is, you know interested in at that time, or what he's imagining in his head, or what he's envisioning in his head, happening is there's something walking on the surface. It's creating this huge pressure wave. So now his lateral line is all freaking out. There's rattles in it. Now his ears are freaking out because there's something up there making a ton of noise. I gotta see what it is. A lot of times you see a, you'll see it on clear lakes a lot. Those bass will come up within about three foot, three to two to three feet, and they'll kind of come up and they'll slowly kind of move closer to it. And what they're doing is, is they're looking at it. Those clear bass, those clear lake bass, especially smallmouths, have such good eyesight that what they're doing now is they're identifying what it is. That's why clear or clear-ish. You know, top waters work so well on clear clear lakes. It's because they're looking at it, and there's sun penetration, there's light penetration, it's refracting, and it's looking very similar to the bait fish that they eat. A lot of times, those bait fish, when they're small or or or, or even bigger ones, a lot of times, like the big, uh, uh, you know, some lakes have smelt on them, and smelt are pretty dang clear, and there might be smelt or similar clear baits. Um, you know, uh, uh, for those that live on the coastline, you know, rain bait or, 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 um, you know, uh, uh, sparing, stuff like that. That's a pretty clear bait fish that has a little silver in it, if there is any silver. Sometimes they're just clear with a little black back. You know, it, it's depending on that bait. And that's what they're looking at, right? And, and that's why they'll eat it. So in those darker, dirtier waters, that's what they're looking for. They look for profile, and that kind of falls into the cloudy day, okay? When I'm fishing a clear lake, shaky head, or plastics, and this goes for any of them, and I've got cloudy skies, and what I mean by cloudy skies is it's, it's almost where you can't wear your sunglasses cloudy, okay? And that's what I'm, I'm getting at here. If it's, if it's just a thin layer of clouds, then guess what? I'm not really fishing a shaky head. I'm fishing a topwater. Um, it's just me. Or, or I'm fishing a reaction bite more, you know, but I'm using, you know, chartreuses, I'm using whites, I'm using, you know, I'm still think I, I use that cloud cover more of a, you know, what is it representing in the daytime, okay, from from the night. You know, if it's just a very thin cloud cover, it's more of that early morning bite throughout the day. 
you'll find out more. But if it's that thick, thick, you know, dark cloud cover like you'll get sometimes prefrontal, you know, that it just makes it hard to see with sunglasses on. That's what I'm thinking more of a just before dawn bite. You know, just as that sun's starting to come up, baits that I'll use, jigs, crankbaits, stuff like that. And 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 if I, and I use a shaky head a lot because those bass start moving, they start roaming, and they're roaming along the bottom, looking up. Okay, and that's when I'll swim the that that you know shaky head more than I will before. Or I'll stroke it. Stroking is basically your bait hits the bottom. You reel down where your your line is coming straight off the rod. You're pointing the, your rod tip at the the bait. All you're doing is you're just giving it a pop. A pretty aggressive pop, depending, you know, a lot of times. Just, just give it a good, you know, from bait to like 2, 1 o'clock, you know, up. And then you just kind of follow that bait down. Once it hits the bottom again, you rip it again. You know, and usually it's a heavier uh, technique, heavier jig head technique, but it's still it's very solid. So cloudy, clear water, okay? Cloudy skies, clear water, it's pumpkins for me. Green pumpkins all the way. Now, there are some very, very dark watermelons out there. I will use them here. Um, but 90% of the time, it's green pumpkin. Purple, blue flake. Uh, I got a couple that have uh, uh, like a firecracker, which is just a bunch of really bright uh, flakes in them. Um, again, that comes down to what the bass tell me. But 90% of the time, it's strictly green pumpkin. Dirty water, cloudy skies. Again, Dark profile baits, blacks, blues and blacks, dark blues, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, your June bug reds really shine really uh, around that time. Um, you know, things like that, you know, will help you catch more bass. Now, we're going to take a quick break. When we come right back, um, we're going to talk about, you know, technique specific or, or, or area specific, meaning you know, wood, rock, stuff like that, when to throw it, you know, already broke down the colors, techniques that work around that stuff, and what you need to be looking for right now to make that shaky head more effective. So again, we'll be right back with more of the Low Sodium Show, only on the Kayak Fishing Radio Network. Give me the flat to dawn with plenty of tailing fish and the perfect fly rod. Yeah. And get ready for some magic. What an awesome eat! I got one! Oh, damn, I got him, I got him, I got him. Join Bonefish and Tarpon Trust. Nice fish. And help make sure that the magic never ends. Visit tarbone.org to find out how you can help. Full Bay Custom Rods are handcrafted, designed, built by fishermen for fishermen. Each plank goes through a rigorous stress test to ensure the highest quality, period. You can actually feel the action of the bite as well as lure vibration through the foreground. Made with the highest quality components and made to your specifications. Full Bay Custom Rods bring innovation to your hands. Go to bbrods.com to check out some amazing custom rods. Full Bay Custom Rods, built by fishermen for fishermen. Fishing Radio presents The Low Sodium Show With your host, Mark the Landing Crew Wheeler 
All right, and we are back with more of the Low Sodium Show. Again, I'm your host, Mark Lindy Crew Wheeler. And, you know, a lot of people believe that because it is a snagless bait, and again, I use snagless because, you know, the, the how you put the bait on there makes the bait, you know, weedless or snagless. And I, and I hate using that term. I use more snag resistant. Um, you know, it's not going to be completely snagless, but it will, you know, it won't be an issue 90% of the time. So what I, you know, I take this into consideration. Uh, will it get snagged a lot of times? No. Will it? Yeah. You'll have every so often where that jig head just gets caught in between, you know, that perfect Y in that branch or stuck in a heel in a rock, that just makes you just want to scream. Because um, it's right where you need it to be. You can see the bash. It's awful. Uh, <laughs> so let's just break down real fast where I throw a shaky head. Okay? I will primarily throw a shaky head 99% of the time, 15 feet or less. 15 is really deep for a shaky head. And I'm talking the highest shaky head I go is, is you know, a quarter ounce, okay? Uh, I do have heavy ones. I have three sixteenths. I got a half ounce. I even have an ounce one um, that I will throw in super, super, super deep water. But that's the only technique they'll bite that day, and they're sitting in 30 feet of water. Uh, you know, you know those big, deep offshore structures. Um and it's awful. But what I primarily throw the shaky head at is shoreline cover. Um, you know, out to, you know, 30 feet, again, you know, from the shoreline. But if I have a real steep cliff drop-off, the shaky head really doesn't shine. The reason is it doesn't have a chance for the bait to stop, okay? You need that bait to be sitting still to work correctly. Um, one of the best uh, shaky head anglers uh, in Virginia that I know of is a guy, a guy named Scott Martin. Um, he, I've fished him several times. He fishes a shaky head on loose line, meaning he makes a cast or a flip or whatever he's doing, and he doesn't bring slack out of the line. He just lets it fall. Slack line just lets it sit there. Okay. The reason he does that is that he's letting the natural currents, the natural movement of the water dictate the movement of the bait. Real subtle presentation guy, and he catches a lot of big bass. Me personally, I'm a shaker. I'm a mover. I have to keep that bait moving. Can I keep it still for a few minutes? Sure. Do I like you? No. I'm trying to cover water. I'm trying to find that school of aggressive bass, and I do it a lot by moving that shaky head a lot. And what I do... I'll make my cast along the shoreline, and a lot of times my casts are 45 degree angle, 45 degree angle, or less of an angle to that bank. It's parallel. Okay, I don't like throwing it straight out and dragging it back in. I really believe that you're limiting yourself greatly by doing this, because you're keeping it out of those strike zone areas, especially this time of year. Those bass are all shallow. Okay or they're right on the edge of the channel swings, you know, the, the, the channel edges, the offs, where those bass 
are going to spawn and then go deep to recuperate and then come back up shallow to feed. That's where all the bait is, okay? You know, so I'm going to keep it in, in, in as long as possible. So 45 degree angle or less, okay, it is what I usually do. But I cast, make a nice long cast to the bank. And this is where being an accurate, super accurate, um, you know, caster really comes in handy. Okay, and I'm not talking lob cast. This is side arm, low angle, perfect form, you know, keeping it maybe six inches off the water for as long as it possibly can. So you're going to need a superior rod, super lines, you know, a lot of practice. You know, and I've been doing this now for, for many years, and I can make a very long cast, but they're not going very far off the water, okay, because I have really good rods. I have a lot of skill. Um, and you know, I know it sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, but if you talk to some of the best anglers out there that make really good long casts, accurate casts, that they, and that's what makes them so good. So, here's here's a few things to help with that casting is uh, that's another show okay we're, we're, we're kind of getting off course and actually uh matt chuck just rolled in good point maddie what's going on good man? evening i was watching the game and then i realized whoa it's 8 <laughs> 30 i haven't even turned Sorry it on i can't I, after the past two games man i can't even watch anymore and uh oh it's a different game so we're doing good. We're doing good. Uh, losing, but playing better. Uh, <laughs> oh, I can't even. Uh, I'm not even gonna watch. Anyway, uh, talking shaky heads again. More, you know, specific stuff, man. So. Well, all right. But it's good to have you on, man. Definitely good to have you on. Yeah, I guess. Um, in <laughs> nice. Anyway, a few things that you know, I'm I'm 45 to the water. I'm making my cast, and I am bringing it back in, but just barely hitting the bottom, swimming it in or dragging it. A drag is is a great one if I trying to figure out the bottom structure is what I'll do is I'll make that cast. It hits the bottom, and then all I do is just slow... No, nah, I'm not going to say slow, but I just drag that bait along the bottom. I'm feeling the bottom. If all of a sudden I don't feel the bottom, I stop. I let it hit the bottom, and I start again. Okay? You can either do this by dragging your rod tip. Swinging your rod tip is a great one. Or, if you're able to control the speed of your reel, you can reel that bait and drag it along the bottom using your reel. What I do with this is while I'm dragging it in, if I hit something, bunk, I hit a stick, rock, or it changes. If I'm feeling mud, and you'll feel mud, it'll be smushy. And it'll take some practice to realize it. But you'll be dragging it, okay, that's mud, that's mud, that's mud. All of a sudden, it feels hard. And, it, and it's something I try to explain. But until you feel it, you know, it, it, you won't completely understand 
is you'll feel okay, and all of a sudden you feel a difference. Something's different. It could be mud to sand. It could be sand to hard-packed sand or sandstone, which you see a lot. Or it's sand and all of a sudden gravel. Smallmouth, guys, this is, you, this is for you. You feel that gravel? Okay. Take a second, stop, and shake it. Maybe five seconds at that. And then start dragging it again. Stop and shake it. I'm telling you, that's where you, that's where you want to do it. Those transition zones are where the bass are going to be. That's where the bait is. Okay. So, you know, that, that's a great way for me to feel out the bottom and, you know, create a mental note. And I've got a booklet with me, of course, where I'll write stuff down. But it, it helps to break things down even farther. Now, along with that, swimming it in, a great way to find uh, suspended structure. Okay. You could feel, okay, that was a stump. You know, you feel, okay, that was wood. That's rock. And you'll, you'll be able to break that down. But is that a stump that's cut off at the top, or is it actually coming off off the bottom, okay, three or four feet up, you know, and they may be sitting on top of it. That's where swimming it in or stroking it, you'll feel that. You'll stroke it, and you'll make that rod tip pop up, and you make that bait jump up. You know it's going three feet up in the water column, okay. If you're at the very top and you feel you hit something, you go, ooh, that's different. That wasn't there before when I just dragged through there. Then you make that mental note. Oh, wait. I just went through there, and I felt a stump. So it's actually higher than, than I think it is off the bottom. It's just not you know, a, a limb. It's actually something substantial. Big, big, you know, ooh, this is good. Okay, and that's where swimming that, that bait in works very, very well. Another great one is actually flipping and pitching it. Okay, I will use, you know, my, uh, my three-eighths. I'll use... Um, you know, a, a half ounce, uh, I've got a handful of them, of uh, shaky heads that I will use a pretty substantial bait, a 7-inch or larger shaky uh, bait on it. Um, you know, and usually it's a, a finicky tickler from uh, Power Team Lures. Uh, works great for this. Put it on there, and what I'm doing is I'm flipping and pitching the edges of grasses in, in semi-deep water, and I'm saying semi-deep, 8, eight plus, Okay. I'm just dropping it in there, right on the edge. I'm not putting it in the grass. I'm putting it right through the edge. Okay, and I use a bait caster for this. Um, and actually, the rod I use is, is my crankbait rod. The um, reason is it's got a soft tip on it. So I can bring it in, and, and, and I'm not really you know lobbing it in. I'm just kind of sweeping that pitch in there and giving it an angle, okay, which you'll find a lot of times. You can change the entry angle on a bait. Just by giving it a little bit more oomph or, or, or flutter, okay, so it comes in on an angle. It'll keep that angle if you give it line, if you give it natural movement or natural, give it its natural fall. It'll actually go underneath that canopy, okay, to where the bass are, and it's a great technique. I use That's what I'm using a lot now because I'm dealing with, with conditions where I have to really pick apart cover, okay, and this is how you pick apart cover, and this is how I do it because I'm usually working down parallel to the bank, Okay, or off the, you know, just barely off the bank a lot of times. Is I'll come up to a, a a lay down, and this is a perfect example. I come up, I've got a big oak tree in the water. It comes out about 15, 20 feet from the bank. From the bank, I have bank depth of about a foot. Okay, it's a sharp edge, you know, uh, uh, bank, right? 
goes out from a foot to eight feet at the very tip of that tree, okay, that I can see, that the tip of the tree I can see, all right, so what I do is I will start right at the bank, let's say I'm going from, you know, one side and all around to the other, that's how I basically work these, these baits, so I'll start at the bank, okay, and I'm not up against the tree, but I'm kind of off of it, and I'm kind of up the tree as well, so I'm working it always in that strike zone, in that area um, for as long as possible. So I'm working it up the tree, okay? Because a lot of times you don't know if that tree fell, and when it did, it took out another tree that you can't see underneath it. It's got branches out, you can't see it in the water. You'll see that sometimes. So I'm working that bait, I'm putting it through there, and I'm, you know, it's, it's literally the bait's in the water for about 45 seconds at a time. So making a cast, I'm just kind of bumping along the bottom. You know, just bunk, 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 bunk. I hit something, I'll sit there and shake it for about a second. Just shake, shake. And then just let it pause. Slack line, just let the bait just sit there for a second. Nothing happens, I pop it off and I keep going. And I'm working my way up that tree. Now I get to the top of the tree, the very last branch I can see in the water. Okay? I will back off 10 feet, 15 feet. Very tip the tree and work it out. A lot of times... What you're seeing is, isn't the full spectrum, okay? And that tree could have been knocked down 15 years ago, okay? And through time and through storms, that tree was another 40, I'm going to say 30 feet longer, okay? 15 feet longer. But those branches have broken and settled on the bottom. And a lot of times those bass will be in those limbs on the very bottom. So by me working out even farther from that tree... I'm hitting those spots that I know my angler won't hit. Those are bass that really don't get a lot of pressure, except for stuff going over top of them, meaning boats. Okay, this gives me an opportunity to work bass that haven't been worked before. Big tournament winning setup right there, folks. I'm telling you, I took fifth place by doing this. Okay, in a, in a tournament with over 140 anglers. Okay, by working those edges, where literally we it was a it was a pretty dang small area that we were fishing in for this 140 anglers, that the bass were just really active. Everyone knew it, okay? Everyone knew it, and literally, it was three or four bass boats in a cove, you know, that, that wasn't all that big, okay? It was about the, you know, the size of most small strip malls, all the, the, these coves. So if it gives you an idea of how, how tight, you know, three or four bass boats in there were. A lot of laydowns, lots of stuff, and by us moving away from those trees and working that area that those other boats were not catching them in. Okay, and they, just, they and a lot of them didn't put two and two together. A lot of them were working off way too far, thinking that we were fishing really deep, when in all actuality, we're still fishing fairly shallow, less than 10 feet. But it's all those branches that broke off. Now we're giving us that opportunity to, to hook these big bass by using a shaky head. Okay, and it was just, it was stellar. Okay, so I've worked the very tip. I'm going to work my way back in, and, and as I'm moving back towards the shoreline, I'm doing the same thing again. I'm working, you know, you know, my casts are very important. I'm not just casting into the shallows and bringing it back. What I'm doing is I'm, is I'm breaking it off every three feet with a new cast. So I've sectioned off the, the, that tree. As I'm working back down, I'm using the, the trunk as my cordon, Okay. I make a cast, it hits a branch, okay, okay, I know that's, you know, I'm working that bait through there, I get nothing, 
I'm going to make my next cast three feet farther down that trunk and work it back through. Okay? Eventually, it'll come to a point where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking it down very fine. Now, a lot of times, I'm not moving my boat closer to the shoreline. I'm just making longer casts to the shoreline. Do I move closer? Eventually, yes. But I try to keep my distance. Because what I'm doing is, as I'm bringing it through, is there might be a bass way up on that trunk in a slightly deeper water. But the more I bring it by him or her, it keeps on getting more angry. And it keeps on going farther away from it. All right, and it starts getting to the point where do I eat it? Do I do I kill it? What do I do? And then finally you'll get you'll get your hit, and it'll be over a spot that you literally ran that bait four or five times through. You're like, where were you before, man? And it's all because of that. Um, now working stumpy shorelines, and you'll see this a lot in newer impoundments. Is real, you know a lot of stumps on the shoreline. I hear people go, you know, do I hit every last one of them? No. Okay. The ones I really focus on are clusters. And what I mean by cluster is literally, if you have a 14-foot boat, okay, and you slide up next to it, and you have five stumps, and literally you could stick your boat in the center, spin it around, and you could, you know, literally not have any of them, you know, outside of that, that, that circumference you just spun that boat around, that's a cluster. Okay, clusters are good. Clusters are, are great ambush points for a lot of bass. You'll literally pull two or three bass off of a cluster on five or six stumps, you know, really quick. And it's, it's amazing how quickly you can do it. Um, stumps I look at, big stumps, okay, big gnarly uh, uh, cypress stumps, I, I will pick apart. And what I mean I pick apart is literally I'm making eight, nine casts around this stump. Working, working my way through, okay, um, you know, really probing it really hard, you know, and especially lone stumps. If I come up and I'm working down a bank, and it's pretty featureless, but I have one stump, and I look and I see that around this stump there's really deep water, but the flat comes out and it's kind of like a, a channel swing, okay. What channel swing is is where you have a channel that comes up, swings towards the bank or away from the bank, is, you know, and then comes back to its, where it was before, quote-unquote, right? That's a channel swing. That's what I'm looking for. And when I see that, deep water, single stump, that's a, that is the spot of spots for big bass, okay? I see that. I will back as far away as I can and still make an accurate, lethal cast right at that stump. And I will work that stump over until... It's almost, you know, dead. I'll make sure I have a fresh bait on there. I'll make sure the hook point is not, you know, able to show. Make sure my line is good when I make it my first cast. Because that is the spot that a big bass sits in. When, gas, when bass get really big, they will push off all of the smaller bass or eat them. That's why baby bass color is so good. Okay. And there are several guys that believe that in, in Texas where they have those, you know, monster bass, Lake Fork, um, you know, Gunnersville, um, that when you have schools of, of small pound and less bass, those 12-inch dinks that just drive us insane, that the bigger bass, the three, four, five-pounders, feed on them, okay? 
it's a great protein source for them, okay? And it's usually you see this in fall a lot. And so, and that kind of translates to the, the stumps. If that big bass moves into that stump, it might have one or two, three or four pounders with it, but the, the bass itself is nine, ten pounds, okay? And they are sucked so into that, into it, okay? They're not going to chase after bait. They're not. They're going to be opportunistic. They're not going to chase like the smaller bass will. They're going to wait for something to come to them. And the reason that that stump is there and that bass will be there is because there's something that makes it good. And that channel swing makes it good. Making that bass can just slide out, get in that channel swing with a turbulent area of water. And most lakes that have a channel swing like that will have moving water at some point. Easy, bat, easy forage for them to eat. When they get big, they don't like to move. All right, it's as simple as that. And you know, you'll find that you know it'll be constant, boom, and you'll notice. Okay, stumps with the channel swing like this, I can get big bass on. You can use that as a pattern and destroy the bass. It's as simple as that. Um, rocky banks. I really like Rocky Banks. Um, he's a great guy, Rocky Banks. Anyway, no. Um, you know, uh, uh, Stone Banks, stuff like that. What I'm looking for is that, again, something different. A large uh, boulder would be that something different. Or if I'm working down, you know, uh, I, what I call paver stone, you know, the about, you know, 12-inch size, you know, rock. And all of a sudden I'll get to a spot where it's just gravel. I'll work that gravel over. I'll work that rock over around it. That's where bass like. It's a difference. It's a change. Um, uh, you know, long points. I love working a shaky head down a long point. And I'll come all the way out to the very end of it. You know, as far as I could believe that point goes, make it cast all the way to the bank. And work that bait on the very top of the bank over that point. Work it right down the top. Then I'll cast to the right about three, four feet to where I just were, work it down that edge, make another cast on the other side, and literally left and right, left and right, left and right, left and right, until I've, <coughs> you know, worked it like that, then I'll move to one side, you know, and, and work from the bank out to the point, back, get back to the other side, and do the same thing, out from, from the bank, out to the end of the point, and back again. A lot of times, you know, especially if you don't know what the bass are doing, you could work that, you know, from the bank, you know, parallel to the to the point, come back around and work it perpendicular, but then you realize, you know, you won't get a bite until you're on the other side, and it's only in, you realize, ooh, it's only in four foot, I'm getting that bite, okay? I work it in six, then I'm eating it. I work it in three, two, not eating it, four or six, whatever I just said, that's what they want. That's what I had to, to, to work on. But they only want it from the leeward side of the wind. Or they, they're, they're sitting on, you know, the, the shady side. You know, the wind could be blowing right on them. The current could be blowing right into them. But for whatever reason, they're sitting on the shady side. Or they're sitting on the sunny side. Or, you know, there's a, a, a one single stump. It, and these are all factors you've got to add to it to, to find those bass and make that pattern. And it turned. It can be hard, but it can be very rewarding at the same time. Okay, um, you know, and that's something that same thing with rivers. You have to figure that out on those rivers. But I like to use a quarter ounce. I like to use larger, 
uh, baits, a wider profile, shorter baits, best way to put it. Okay, that catches the water and lets that bait move with the water. What I'm mimicking is that something is floating down that they want to eat, hits that eddy behind a tree, behind whatever. They might be sitting behind, because that's what 99, 99.9999999% of those bass are doing. So they're hiding out of the current, waiting for something to drift by for them to eat it. And having that lighter, lighter jig head, wider profile allows that to happen. Something floats by, they eat it. Good is good. All right. Awesome. So, Matt, how does that Rangers game go, yeah. man? Not watching it. I have it on pause. Okay. <laughs> nice, nice. The joys of DVR. Yeah. Yeah, I got a, I got it on DVR. I have, I have it paused. So it can record up to about an hour. Well, I think... Uh, I'll, I'll watch the game. I'll fast forward through all the commercials. <laughs> nice. I think I've uh, I've covered all the bases. You know, that that's basically yeah, that's I've never it down heads in the river before, to be honest with they're, you. But I'm gonna try it. They're a great bait, man. Um, you know, I highly recommend like a five inch. Um, for that that river right by your house, right? Um, no, I'd fish the Delaware River. I don't really fish the river by my house too much yeah. because it's incredibly polluted. So I just don't even yeah. deal with it. <laughs> green pumpkin. I mean, it's better. It's better now than it used to be, but. Yeah, a five-inch green pumpkin uh, uh, trick worm from Zoom. You'll be right in it. Yeah. Right in it. You know, find find those eddy points where the water's kind of getting broken up, and you could find some really big bass by doing that. Like, I know there's some really nice-sized smallmouth in the uh, river right by my house here. I just never fished there because it's so polluted. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a river, I mean, so it's always refreshing itself, so... Yeah, you know, which well, you might see on the surface. Dump. <laughs> dump into that thing, so. Oh, I know. Everyone used to dump into the rivers around that area, but uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's been a long time since that, and you'll be surprised how quickly stuff like that can clean itself. So. Right. But they actually uh, they just took out three dams out of the river right over here, and um, supposedly that's supposed to uh, improve the habitat for the shad spawn. So yes. I haven't seen what, what the uh the amount that they, they count they counted coming off the fish ladder was yet this year. But um it was to let the the shad ten miles further up the river so they can spawn up spawn good. up here more. That's that's really good. That's what you yeah, know. Yeah, they had a lot of low head dams with no fish ladders still in the, and they were built to uh to actually disperse chemicals from the factories that they're dumping in the river. Yeah. But um, since Same. that's no longer going on, they don't need those dams anymore. But the right. uh, the trout fishermen weren't happy that they were demolishing those dams. I'll tell you that. Oh, the how <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Anyway, uh, cool man, cool, cool, cool. It's a it's a short night for me. I actually have to uh, go pick up my son. He's uh, at a school function here in about 15 minutes. So we're gonna cut this short tonight. Shorter than usual, the past few nights, actually, uh, of uh, the yeah, low sodium show. Yeah, they had a past few nights, so it, it actually evens out. So. Yeah, I know, right? Um, <laughs> so with that being said, uh, thank everyone for showing up, listening. I really appreciate you. Uh, and please support those that support me. Orca coolers, bull bay rods, lick'em lures, uh, uh, Tommy head jigs, Livingston lures. 
and um, you know all those out there that, Jackson that kayak. and Jackson Kayak, dude, it's been one of those nights, man. Um, so I, I keep on thinking I'm gonna be late to pick him up. Um, Go for it. So with all that being said, Matt, I know you've got yours. Go ahead, real fast. No, I got Jackson Kayak, Ram mounts, uh, bending branches, paddles, aquabound paddles, and um, Torquedo motors. Uh, please support those companies. Thank you. So that being said, y'all, take a kid fishing, get him out in the outdoors. Literally, I'm telling you, their memories are not made in front of the television. Their memories are made with you out in the outdoors. Create a memory. Always wear your PFD. It's doing you no good. It is doing you no good if you are sitting there sinking as it's floating away because you had it in your boat. You had it in the tank well. You were sitting on it, doing you no good. Wear your PFD, please. And if you get out this weekend to fish, to remember to get your fish on, man. Throw a shaky head. Good night, everybody. Catch you next time, only on the Low Sodium Show.